good Thursday morning, a uh, day late. Sometimes that happens, things slip. Uh, this past Tuesday, um, we finished up at the end of January. We finished, wrapped our campaign of the Dragon of Ice Spire Peak, starting with the Essential set, and then uh, using the D&D Beyond um, additional adventures there. We ran through the three additional arcs um, and finished up at, uh, gave the characters uh, after uh, wrapping the entire campaign and defeating Ebon Death and Verkle's Head Death Priest and Thrali Stormsworn and uh, tying up everything that we had uh, had loose ends with um, just the other night. Everybody got a, a bonus level uh, after completing everything. So they finished the campaign at level 13. So we have our Paladin, Monk, and um, Mage. Uh, finished up, like I said, uh, with the, the adventure. Um, having sunk, <laughs> sunk the, uh, the Death Knight ship that Ferali was supposed to be on for her final encounter um, many sessions ago when they ran into, when it was uh, grounded, when it was first uh, discovered in, uh, well, it was before the Divine Contention series. Um, uh, anyway, so we totally rewrote the last adventure. There was no ship, but it ended up being... Uh, a uh, cave, a uh, little cavern up in the Sword Mountains that uh, she was using as a last-ditch hideout. So they um, met, uh, I believe, uh, was Tyrus the uh, Manticore. <laughs> Sorry, a little foggy this morning, driving in the rain, uh, distracting. So um, they met the Manticore partway between Leylon and the mountains. Um, as he was going to be the guide to their final destination, since they had just been tracking uh, the war party that had, that had sort of been scattered after the failed attempt to besiege uh, the North Gate and break through there during the Battle of Leylon. So we had some some tracking roles and things, and uh, some putzing about in the in the Badlands or the. Uh, low hills before you get to the mountains uh, kept a couple of the encounters at least for a guide for the CR uh, creatures to use and such so they did encounter a, an attempted ambush by some anchorites along the way they uh, didn't have too much trouble with those at, at this point uh, the anchorites lightning bolts generally the save is made and they're doing like nine points of damage and then uh, we've got resistances from a couple of characters so you know their main attack has now been reduced to a four point lightning bolt so those were more of a, just an indication they were going in the right direction an actual threat to them the uh, I was using Albert Rodeo last uh, not last night, night before last, but uh, having not having any of the characters moving their own, I was just using it to keep track 
and just to see how that would work, uh, you know, at home to use it. Because it, it came in very handy when uh, I was able to give some better descriptions, seeing how people were going by, you know, I, I would give them a screenshot of how I had things set up, what they could see uh, using the fog of war um, mechanic on the owlbear, cutting away uh, areas of fog that uh, they should be able to see into. And that made it, uh, that added another level of tactical, not necessarily just combat, but even movement when they were exploring, coming up on the cave, uh, who they could see, how far into the cave they could see, that sort of thing. And uh, I, I liked it. I think I'm going to try to uh, have them either start using like Albear Rodeo, something uh, similar to that. I don't know if they would be ready to go ahead and, and run into, say, Foundry and run the our D&D sessions online that way because uh, using the uh, Avray bot on Discord, we use our Discord for voice or you know uh, have a handouts channel where you can place any kind of pictures um, or information like a wrap up of the session or you know these are the reminder these are the things you found tonight that sort of thing. Um, so Discord has been a great tool for us. Uh, it's been really good as far as quality we haven't had issues of there's four of us total playing um, nobody's in well two of two of our members are in Morgantown and the other ones are, are halfway across the state so uh, I you know that doesn't really I guess matter as far as proximity to someone it's not like we're in walkie-talkies here but um, having wrapped up the campaign we did some discussion looking back and they were pretty happy with the way things turned out. I was too. I gave them a synopsis at the end. Uh, also, with the three characters, gave gave them each a little wrap up of. I wouldn't call it a job offering, but everybody has a place uh, in Leylon now. Our mage uh, Pyres was accepted um, as a um, member of the cloak descendancy. At least in my world, he, he's able to get in there. It's not that much of a. Uh, high-profile club, but considering Leylon is supposed to be a little arm of, or a protector, maybe, of uh, Neverwinter, they made a visit to there, made some contacts, and he, uh, the player became interested in joining them, so I made that over the last three sessions. There was some contact uh, made by them. And so anyway, he uh, is going to be taking over as uh, the House of Thalavar Mage, and he's going to continue research uh, in the area and, of course, act as the eyes and ears of the cloak descendancy down there. And um, hopefully, he decide, we won't decide to go ahead and reopen the case of the ruined stone and start all that nonsense again. Um, we've got uh, Cedric, our monk, who had been a replacement character. Um, Pizrin, the artificer, had been played through three quarters of the campaign by one of the players and um, towards the end was getting pretty bored with the, the, the way he was playing him. He was like an armor specialist and was he had a ridiculous high armor class. He had his infusions and um, so he had several items that were uh, attuned to that were used to bolster him. He was very hard to hit. He had a pretty good amount of hit points, but his offense was 
pretty poor, honestly. It was not very effective in taking things down. It was way more effective in blocking doors and keeping people from getting to the mage. So, uh, switching over to a monk, we had uh, Cedric finish out the campaign and much more dynamic in combat, a lot more movement, which uh, in turn was another reason I kind of wanted to try uh, some battle maps and keeping track of, of player positioning more carefully this time. And, and I thought that helped at least from my end of keeping track of where everyone was for spell effects and, and things of that nature. So um, he ended up getting a, he got a, 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 basically a deed for any of the unused and unoccupied uh, buildings in Leylon. As things are being rebuilt, he's going to have a small, I wouldn't call it a villa because it's not that grand, but just a place to call home there. And uh, Steve, our paladin, who uh, has the soldier background, had done the majority of the fighting. He, with his uh, smiting ability, he's a pretty good combat machine. Was pretty resilient, decent armor class, uh, a lot of hit points. A tough guy. Um, and he always uh, never really wavered on having any issues of being sliding into murder hobo or anything like that he was always played as a pretty responsible consistent character a good guy so uh he's the uh was offered the to be like the liaison and, or even the captain of the guard of Leylon and work with the mercenaries that were sent down uh, from neverwinter to help bolster the forces at least temporarily while you know their whole issue with the cultists were going on so he was pretty happy with that he seemed to be um, felt like uh, he was recognized for his martial prowess and overall when I talked to the player a couple sessions ago talking about ending the campaign what kind of final goals he might have didn't really have any so uh, that's why I had decided on just tying that in with his soldier background and um, his use of a strong sword arm and a strong heart always seemed to be beneficial to the area so they looked to him uh, oh the reason they needed a captain of the guard was uh, that uh, was it Yaz Horam or Has Yoram I keep getting that confused he, dis he uh, had disappeared and actually been taken captive during the uh, raid um, and was, was noticed that he was missing after the, the battle had been over. So they found him in the cave uh, tied up next to uh, Ferale and then her, uh, her first lieutenant, her right-hand woman, in one of the back caverns. And uh, as they kind of crept up in there, they caught them at the end of a, uh, a bit of an interrogation where Ferale had become enraged because of the overall uselessness of, of Yaz as a, either a prisoner or a, I don't want to say spy, but uh, as a source of information for her. So they were able to uh, witness her uh, putting him down in a fit of, of rage and just laying waste to him with her maul. And then they charged in a little too late to save him, but uh, they did have uh, quite nice combat at the end. The only thing I will say is with uh, my my one player, he built the Artificer and was very methodical in doing what he wanted him to be able to do and is very game smart. Um, 
you know, with the min-maxing type of uh, approach to it. His monk has a stunning strike uh, with, I believe the save on that is a 20 that they have to meet. And uh, I don't doubt the numbers because I didn't check his, I mean, go over how he built this monk, but on, man. I tell you how, I don't know, the last couple of fights, if it wouldn't have been for legendary saves with the dragon and also I uh, had given uh, for all a, a uh, lair action, like a legendary uh, a save that could be used in her, her lair. So that saved her from that once, but, you know, with these, uh, a lot of these characters, um, don't have a, or the NPCs, monsters that they're coming up against, don't have a great bonus to their constitution, so you throw a save and your target number is a 20, that stun had really shut down and made a lot of fights uh, much easier for them when they took an opponent uh, out of, you know, out of the combat for a round or two. So, I, I, I gotta say, I I was a little frustrated with that because I wasn't cheating. I was just rolling my dice. And um, a couple of times I did make my saves to get out of that. But boy, it's almost like a game changer when you just can... It's almost like the banish spell or something where you just poof. Well, you know, your, your big bad now lost his number one melee fighter at least for a little while. So that really changes things. And I mean, I uh, had to give it to him. They, they planned it out well. They definitely had a, a plan of attack and followed through with it. So, I mean, kudos to them. Like I said, we wrapped our campaign after a, somewhere in the neighborhood of 28, 29 sessions, I believe. Um, and we played weekly. I don't think we missed a week. Um, if we did, it was you know due to somebody's uh, illness or a holiday or something like that. So uh, maybe around Christmas or something, we might have skipped one. But... Um, pretty much four sessions every month for the past several months uh, it was a really to me and to them it seemed like a satisfying end to our first campaign uh, again this was the first D&D campaign I have actually ran since the mid 2000s with like D&D 3.5 so uh, I wanted to give a thank you out to uh, the Hussman on uh, Twitter Chris Hussey who's uh, had several podcasts about um, just running games and gaming in general, table etiquette, being a decent person overall. Uh, just uh, a little bit of an inspiration there to get back into it and get started. And also Wayne from Fear the Boot, his Game Notes podcast, uh, which you can get if you're a Patreon of uh, Fear the Boot. Excellent. He just hit 100 episodes on that show and can't thank him enough for uh, responding to questions and comments about his podcast as he was detailing, you know, running his games, setting games up, um, just different techniques and things to look for when planning a campaign and dealing with players and characters uh, in-game. So again, Wayne, thanks for your podcast, um, Game Notes. And uh, that's a wrap. We're going to take a week or two, at least a week, maybe two weeks off, and just run a, a one-shot. One of the players is going to take over and run a, a D&D game for a week or two. And then we should be starting up our Curse of Strahd campaign. So I'll 
may be radio silent. Uh, if not, it'll be a recap of a uh, game as a player or maybe some other um, uh, items that, that come up as we're going. Uh, we also, um, one of the co-hosts of the Economic Fundamentals podcast that's on the RPG Academy feed. Uh, you can find them over at the RPG Academy on Twitter or the RPG Academy uh, on the the web. They have their um, own dedicated website. Many many podcasts they put out over there. But uh, we have a bi-weekly show now. We've started up. We'll have a couple episodes out currently where we go over um, crowdfunding. Uh, projects that are going on that are of interest. The first episode we put out uh, two weeks ago um, had uh, Michael, the, the the guy in charge over at the RPG Academy. We re- resurrected a, a podcast that we had done and then pretty much the pandemic had shut it down. And we restarted it up uh, just recently. The two of us got back and went over some um, crowdfunding projects and then this past Sunday uh, we had another co-host join us, Brandon from the the Dueling Ogres podcast. So we um, all brought some crowdfunding projects uh, to talk about. It was a nice fun little show. I think it ran somewhere around 40 40 minutes or so. I'm trying to definitely keep it under an hour so shooting for around 45 minutes. Check it out if you're uh, interested in seeing what uh, some of the projects are out there that generally revolve around gaming uh, to one degree or another, board games, card games, RPGs. Um, But anyway, thank you for listening to Mumphrey's Musings over the past several months. And uh, like I said, it may be a dry week or two, but I intend on putting out at least a recap of our our one-shots or whatever adventure we got coming up something's going to happen so thank you and uh, stay safe out there if you're in the coming winter weather storm alert area